Okay, if you have your Bibles, um, that was weird. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Galatians 6 when I finally get to that. I'm using a different iPad than I normally use, so it's a little bit different. So if you see me like messing with something, it's because I switched iPads. I don't know why I did that. I just randomly decided to switch iPads. Um, but th- the word tonight is choices. So I'm talking about the choices that we make in our everyday life. Uh, Choices you and I make are a gift from God, okay? God gives us free will to make choices ourselves. Every day you make the choice of what you're going to eat when you get up in the morning. You make choices for where you're going to go. If you're going to get on the interstate, drive down I-75, like you're going to make that decision to probably sit in traffic at some point. Like you make that decision. Every day you make decisions, okay? Um, God didn't make us a puppet or a robot, like he, he made us humans so that we can make our own choices. So, I'm going to tell you something tonight, okay, uh, for the people that's been in my class before in school, they're going to know what I'm talking about, so I think Brandon and Ethan may be the only two, Lonnie may remember it, uh, it's been a long time ago for you, Lonnie, um, I don't know, my, I think my mom and dad and Casey will know what I'm talking about, but I don't think anybody else here will know what I'm talking about, and I'll come back to this point, and I'll hopefully make it make sense to you in a minute, but don't leave because I'm saying this, okay? I'm starting out by telling you tonight, I've been in seven different prisons. Okay, that's good. Not the reaction I ex- really expected. Like, some of you are like, okay, so what? Like, so I, that's what I'm just telling you. I've been in seven different prisons. We'll come back to that. In a minute, okay? Maybe, if I don't forget. So, let's go ahead and read Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6. And again, hey, I'll come back to the point of the prisons in a minute, okay? So, Galatians 6, 6, it should be on the screen. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh... Will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. By the way, the word weary is really hard for a math teacher to say. Just throwing that out there. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. So, starting with my first point here, the letter C, man, that is small, stands for careful. And I'm sorry if you can't read that. I have, you can ask me about why that PowerPoint's so wacky later. First thing, the C stands for careful. Okay? The very first thing I read, well, not the very first thing, in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Okay, now, this is going to come a shock to all the teenagers that's here tonight. They know because they were at camp with me. I am like a bit of a prankster, I guess you could say, a trickster. Like, Brandon just, like, cracked a grin at me a little bit. Like, Jesse knows what I'm talking about. Like, one of the things I like to do to the teenagers of our church is, like, tap them on the shoulder, like, over here and have them look that way when, in reality, I'm on this side. When I'm at school... I like to ask them who put the footprints on the ceiling as they look up and they look everywhere. Like, I like to, I guess, mess with the teenagers and, like, trick them, okay? Like, play games with them, so to speak. Now, follow me here. God is not mocked, tricked, or fooled, okay? You can't play games with God, 
Okay? Like you're not fooling God. God knows all things and he sees all things. Okay? And I'm going to say this and I'm going to try to explain what I mean. mean. Following God is not like some kind of magic show. Being a Christian is not like being in a magic show. If you know what I'm talking about, if, if I had like a close-up camera, I might could do this. But like, I, I know a few magic tricks. I'm not going to do any. But like, m- with magic tricks, like, the more you watch and try to figure out what's going on, the more they fool you and trick you, right? That's how magic trick works. Magic tricks work. Now, there's no such thing as magic. I know I just burst somebody's bubble here tonight. Like, magic is not a real thing. Okay, magic is all about trickery and deceit. Like, we can't fool God, okay? Like, God knows what's going on in your heart. God knows why you do what you do. God knows you. He sees all. Like, there's nothing done in secret. Like, you're not fooling God, okay? It's not about appearing religious. Like, God knows your your intentions for why you do things, okay? And I'm going to say this. Don't mistake movement for growth. Like just because you're busy doesn't mean you're actually getting anything done. Okay, so going back to the, the, the prison story. Okay, I came back to it a little bit quicker than I meant to. So when I was in college, my basketball coach had this grand idea, because we were a Christian university, of going to prisons and playing against the inmates. And, and odd enough today, I'm a basketball coach, and this is, I'm not making this up. I have my phone to prove it. You can come ask me later. A prison guard sent a message to Bria College's head coach today asking if we wanted to come play their team. Now, I did this seven different times as a player, seven different prisons. And here's the way this would work. We would go into the prison, and if you know anything about basketball, like you'd carry your shoes in, like you'd carry your shoes. You don't wear your shoes onto the court, like you carry them so they don't get dirty, right? You follow me? Sure. Okay. So you couldn't carry anything to the prison with you. You had to put everything you wanted to play play with on to start and go through the gate, okay? And what's crazy is when we were playing these, these prisoners, for one, they were really, really good, really good. The first prison we went in, there was like a net around the court, and like behind the net was a workout center, there was this one dude that makes Darren Allen look pretty small, and he was jacked, and he was like, <sighs> the whole time he was like, we were playing and warming up. Like at one point, a ball actually rolled over to him, and we were like, I ain't, no, I ain't getting that ball. Uh, but the crazy thing about playing in those prisons is after we would play the teams, majority of them beat us. They were good. They were really good. After we would play these prisoners, we would get a chance to talk to them. like So like coach used it as like a witnessing opportunity. So we would talk to them and we would share Christ to them. But even more beneficial than that was they spoke back to us. So after we had like preached the gospel to them, they would tell us, each one would usually take turns, and they would say something like, do you know why I'm in here? We'd be like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, you probably did something you weren't supposed to. And they would always tell us, it started with one bad choice. It started with one bad decision. And one thing led to another, and before you know it, they had make a, made a strand of bad choices, and they showed up, and they uh, ended up where they were. Actually, going, <laughs> there was one prison game. I'm not sure when this was in my college career. The prison team had a guy that looked like Ray Allen. 
I don't know if anybody knows who Ray Allen is. He was this black man. He was bald. He was decently tall, not as tall as the real Ray Allen. But, like, he was, like, killing our team. Not literally. I know it's a prison and it's bad, bad choice of words. But he was, like, doing really good against our team. Like, nobody could stop him. And, you know, like, college is pretty physical. Like, you, when you play basketball, if you're any good, you, like, bump and hit people. And, like, but it's a prison, so we didn't want to touch them. Like, this guy's a prisoner. Like, I don't know what he's here for. So, me wanting to impress the coach, I'm like, I was, I was sitting on the bench. I'm like, coach, put me in. I'll guard the dude. I don't care. I'll guard him. So, I get in the game, and I'm, like, bumping him and hitting him. And, like, I actually did pretty decent against him. Like, I thought I did pretty well. He didn't score as many points. Like, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Afterwards, we were leaving the prison. We were walking out with one guard. There was, like, nothing but inmates behind us. One guard, and I'm not making fun of this lady, but this is true. This one guard had one arm. She had a taser. And that was it. Like, one guard, thousands of inmates, and us playing this basketball team. Okay? So I'm thinking, these guys couldn't have done anything that bad. So we're walking out. And finally, somebody just asked the questions. Why are these inmates in here for? Like, what they do? Did they, did they, like, rob somebody? Did they get caught with something they weren't supposed to have? And the lady told us, no, they were, they're lifies. So, you know, we're like, what's a lifey? They're like, oh, there's somebody that's in prison for life. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, why are they in prison for life? Did they rob multiple gas stations? Like, like what did they do? They had 12 players. She told us eight of the 12 were murderers. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before the game? Like, I could have been, like, bumping and hitting a murderer. Like, are you, like are you, I would have been a lot more careful with my decision to go in the game and guard that guy had I known the guy was a potential murderer. Like, can you imagine I'm guarding the guy and all of a sudden he just shanks me? Like, that's where my mind went as we're walking in. Also, in these prisons, they have... A lot of these, I'm not sure all of them have it. They have a little number, and it says, days without an incident. Like, I'm sure, hey, this, this seems like a good thing. The first one we went in, it said, like, 374 days without an incident. I'm thinking, yeah. The next one, it was a little bit lower. It's like 197, like, okay. We went in one, Derek, two days. Why are we here? Just saying. My whole point from that is I got so much out of the prisoners talking to me because they told our team, hey, so many times it starts with one bad decision. Like, we have to be careful with the decisions we make. And a lot of times, it's easy to fool other people. It's easy to fool ourselves. But you aren't fooling God. Like, you're you're not tricking God. When you do something, God knows your real reason for doing whatever it is you're doing. When you're talking about that person behind their back, God knows you're doing that. God knows why you're doing that. Like, you're you're not fooling God. You're not, like, there's no mocking God. We get out what we put in. There's not shortcuts in life. I mean, now look, let me rephrase it. There are shortcuts in life. There are, you can take shortcuts, but that's not the right way to go. Like, we get out what we put in. Let me keep going so I don't get carried away. Uh, It says in verse 8, or verse 7 to continue, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay? So farmers, 
a farmer reaps the same seed he sows, or he or she sows. I guess I said he slash she has sown. So, like, if you plant wheat, wheat's going to grow. If you plant corn, corn's going to grow. It ain't like you drop a seed in the ground and you're like, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to get this time. That ain't, that ain't how that works. You cannot expect to get a rose if you've planted a sunflower. Like, and I know that seems like so basic and simple. You're like, why are you telling me this? Just, just stay with me. In the same way, if you give into the flesh, if you give into the desires of this world, if you're constantly giving into those things, your flesh is going to increase in size and strength. It's going to want more and more of you. And before you know it, you've made so many bad decisions that you don't know what to do. Let me give you this, another story. I'm giving you way too many personal stories here probably. So... When Casey and I got married, and I'm going to use this uh, quite a few times because there's so many different things that happened on our honeymoon. <laughs> when we were coming back from our honeymoon, okay, let me, let me start over. We went on our honeymoon. My mom decided to make us like a little goodie basket to take with us. Thank you, Mom. That was awesome. If she, she probably don't remember that. It had Oreos in it. Man, I love Oreos. Samuel knows at camp he kept offering me Oreos, especially double-stuffed Oreos. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a weird little problem I have. Like, I love Oreos. So, my mom had packed Oreos in this little goodie basket. However, you can't have Oreos without milk. You just can't. That, doesn't, that don't even make sense. Like, if you're eating Oreos, you got to have milk with it, okay? So, we went to the Bahamas. I didn't have any milk. Obviously, we couldn't take any milk with us. So, when we were in the Bahamas, I looked everywhere for milk until finally... There was this weird little gas station type place that had like a weird, the weirdest carton of milk I've ever seen in my life. But hey, it was milk. So we got it, took it back to the room, and I ate Oreos and milk. And I thought, I thought, man, this milk tastes funny. Oh well, just kept eating them. Now, the point of that story is this. I got deathly sick on the way back home from that milk. It had to have been the milk, because it said it expired in like three months, three months after when I got it. Like, I don't think that's how milk works exactly. It, it was, I, I was in a hospital with dehydration, food poisoning. Like, it, it was bad. Now, what's my point of that story? I went about three, four years, would you say three, four, without ever eating another Oreo. I did not even come nearly. I said, no, I will not eat another Oreo. Until... Randomly, some random day, I decided to eat another Oreo, and now I'm back to eating them all the time. Now, why did I tell you that story? Well, giving up Oreos was really, really hard until I got deathly sick <laughs> from the Oreos. Okay, and I know it wasn't the Oreos, it was the milk. But the milk wasn't what I gave up, it was the Oreos. See, the more I eat junk food and cookies... I don't really like cake, but I could use cake as a reference. Casey won't like that. But, like, the more I eat things like that, the more I desire things like that. The more you seek after earthly things and, like, lust of the flesh, the more you're going to want those things because your appetite for them is going to grow. See, the longer you stay away from that stuff, the less you are, the less likely you are to want it. It's like I haven't had cake in a long time just because I really don't like it. Like, I have no desire for it. Now, if you give me a cake 
and it's really good, and I eat it, then I'm going to probably start desiring it more. Does that make sense? My iPad keeps going off here. If a farmer wants to reap more, what should he do? Sow more. Ooh, that's impressive. See, a lot of times we think we're going to roll a, or we're going to reap a bunch when we've sown very little. How can you reap much if you've sown very little? It just doesn't even make sense. It doesn't work that way. However, Satan wants you to believe you can take shortcuts. And that's the problem. Because sometimes what happens is we're successful when we take a shortcut. And then we think, oh, I can do it more. Listen, little things matter. There, there are no little things for God. And that could be a completely separate message. All things matter. There's a verse that says, Whatever you eat, like whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Everything you do, no matter how small you think it is, matters. And it matters to God. Let's keep going. O stands for ourself. So if you keep reading here, verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, what's the point of me telling you that? Paul is including himself in what he's saying there. He's not just saying to you, he's saying himself also. We are supposed to lead by example. We have to stop telling others to do things we aren't doing ourselves. And like so many times I feel like we just sit back and wait for somebody else to do it like... Well, that ain't my responsibility. Why ain't it? Like we, and so many times it feels like we wait for the right time. Listen, would you take, would you take dieting advice from somebody that's overweight? Doesn't really make much sense. Would you take uh, workout advice from somebody that wasn't in shape? Doesn't really make sense, right? So why should somebody take Biblical advice from you if you ain't even, or if you're not even in your Bible. Right? So, so, uh, the day we, the day Casey and I got married, uh, Casey didn't have her passport up until we were married. So she had, like, applied for her passport, and, like, I had asked her about 6,000 times. Up until the day we were leaving, like, do you have your passport? Make sure you have your passport. You need your passport. If you don't have your passport, you can't go on the plane. Like, have your passport. I told her over and over and over and over and over again. And then what happened was, the day we got married, we went to Lexington. We stayed in a hotel. We got up about 4.30 or something. And we went to the airport to get ready to board a plane. And again, we woke up in the morning. I was like, Casey, you got your passport? She's like, would you stop asking me? Right? So then we're in the airport. Casey pulls out her passport. Guess who doesn't have his passport? So I got to call my mom at 4.45 in the morning. And I'm not going to tell you she got the Lexington in 30 minutes from our, her house. I wouldn't tell you that part. But the point was, I was so focused on what Casey was supposed to have that I neglected to see that I didn't have my own passport. How many times do we do the same thing as in our life when it comes to our Christian walk? We're so 
caught up in what somebody else needs to be doing that we're not seeing the very things we're not doing ourselves. See, we need to be focused in making sure we are doing the exact thing we're saying to other people. It's all about our choices that we make. And I love that Paul included himself when he was talking here. Not next, and, and I, I'm going to struggle with this one, just know. Verse 9 says, and let us not grow, and I have to say the word again, tired. Let's just say tired. The CSB says tired. Let us not grow tired. While doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So, impatient, okay? It's about God's timing, not our timing, okay? When you plant a seed, it doesn't immediately grow, does it? When you plant a seed, you like, woo, it doesn't work that way. I wish that it did, but it does not, Right? It's easy to lose heart. It's, it's easy to get discouraged when you see, when you, when you put in so much time and work and effort and, and you're trying really hard to just dig into something and you're planting a seed and you don't see any kind of growth from it. Actually, Casey and I were having that exact discussion on the way here, but that's a different, different story. Planting from a seed takes patience. And listen, I am a very impatient person. Like, I want something done, like, now. Here's the problem. The problem with today's world is this instant gratification junk. Do you know what I'm talking about, instant gratification? It's like you're rewarded instantly. I see this in school all the time. When I'm teaching math, if a kid doesn't get the math concept right then, twoop, Checked out. Don't get it. Never will understand it. Can't do it. That's really what happens. It's, it's the instant gratification. They can look on an iPad or look up a TikTok video and find how to cook something like that. Listen, do you know how many tries it took me to learn how to make hash browns? I about burned down the house twice. You can ask Casey. I, 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 I shredded a bunch of potatoes. And I, I put a bunch of oil in a pan, in the pan right here, and I dropped it from here. And it was like, oh, that's not how you're supposed to do that. Like, when we plant seeds, okay, it's just like when a farmer plants a seed, we have to prepare the ground, okay? You know, after a farmer plants the seed, he has to till up the ground again because if not, a bird's going to come and he's going to get the seed. And then after you've sown the seed and you made sure it was the right seed, you also have to provide tender care. You have to water. You have to make sure it's getting the nutrients it needs, the sunlight, right? And then what do you do? You have to wait. Like there's so many people in today's world that don't like the waiting part. Okay, like, I don't have TikTok, right? I, I don't. I don't have one. But you know how easy it would be to just come up and look, like, look at a TikTok recipe? Like, how do you make hash browns easier? I'm sure that's on there. I have no idea. Somebody could probably back that story up, I'm sure. But the point is, we have to learn to wait, right? And I'm going to use the idea of gaming. Gaming, like video games. So when I was little... And somebody's going to call me old, whatever, I don't care. When I was little, if you wanted to play games with another human, 
They came to your house or you went to their house and you sat side by side and you played games like this next to each other. Right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like if you want to play video games, that's what you did. However, nowadays, if you want to play video games with somebody, you can hop online. You just put on your little headset and your little gaming chair and I can talk to somebody in Puerto Rico if I want to play a game with them. It's this idea of instant gratification. Like I don't have to wait for somebody to come to my house, right? Or when I was like really little, I can tell you this because my mom's not in here. When I was little, my mom had a Super Nintendo and like we would play Super Nintendo and like there were two characters on like, uh, on like, uh, what is it, Donkey Kong or something. And she would be one of the characters and I'd be one of the characters. And what would happen was if she would die on her character, like I'd get one chance and when I died, (laughs) she started taking the controller, right? Like, why am I telling you that? Because like we had to learn to wait. We were playing video games. Like, we had to wait for each other. Nowadays, you don't have to do that. To play with somebody else, you just kind of get online and look for somebody else that you want to play with. Right? I remember when all these sports games used to come out. When they used to have, like, what's that game called? NCAA football 2014. That's the last one they ever made. My uncle, Uncle Eddie, used to always go to Walmart... And he would wait for the newest video game to come out in the summer, like the newest sports video game, and we would take it to the beach, and we would have a big tournament. And I would always end up being somebody terrible because they would say, oh, you played all the time. It's a brand new game. How have I played all the time? Anyways, like we would all get together, and we would sit there, and we would have a big giant tournament. But we would have to wait till the game come out before we could play it. Nowadays, if you want to play a video game, you know what you can do? Just get online and download it. You don't even have to have a disc or a chip anymore, right? You can just download something. Like, I think Fortnite, you don't have to have any kind of, like, chip or disc or anything. You can just instantly download it and start playing it right now. All you need is internet. It's crazy. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying our society doesn't like to wait. We're impatient. Listen, it's not about our timing in life. It's about God's timing. You know, when you make a decision, you may not see the product of your decision in the time that you want to see it. God's timing, not our timing. You know, farmers can actually teach us a lot, and I kind of said this already. Carefully sowing the right seed, caring for the seed, and then waiting. Let God do his work. Trust in God. It's not about... Instant gratification. You know what I found? I found that a lot of times in the waiting season is when I personally seem to learn the most. Personally. In the waiting season, that's when I tend to learn the most. So here's what I did. I combined the C and E. I can do that because I'm the one that made the PowerPoint. So the C and E stands for cause and effect. So up until this point, I've not talked about what reaping and sowing really means. Let me tell you this. Reaping what you sow is not karma. Okay? It's not the same as karma. I did about 7,000 different studies on this. You can ask Casey. A lot of not fun conversations because it's so hard to explain to you the exact difference in karma And reaping what you sow. See, karma wants you to believe that bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. And that what you do in this life is a direct result of 
Maybe what you did in a different life or what you do in this life is going to help you become a better thing in the next life. It's like karma is Buddhists and Hindus. They're the, they're the ones who came up with this. The problem with bad things happening to bad people and good things happening to good people, Romans 3.23 says, none of us good. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ain't none of us good. Ain't none of us deserving to have good things happen to us if you live by that. So karma would condemn us all. If you, live by, if you think karma is real, then we're all doomed. And there's nothing we can do to make up for it because bad things are going to happen to bad people. However, if you go to John 3.17, everybody knows John 3.16. If you go to John 3.17, it says, uh, For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but through Him we might be saved. God doesn't want to condemn us. It's, it's by His grace. However, let me tell you this. Your actions have consequences. The choices you make, Newton's third law of motion, for every action, there's an opposite but equal reaction. I hate science, but that is one thing I do like in science. Like, every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Cause and effect. So, let me try to explain it to you like this. It goes back to the harvest point. If you want a good harvest... Sow good things. Sow good plants. Right? Like plant good seeds. Okay? Listen, if you're constantly ridiculing and berating a friend, if you're constantly mean to your friend, guess what you're not going to have much longer? A friend. That's pretty simple. Paul writes, whoever sows to the flesh, going back to Galatians 6, whoever sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Meaning, if you seek after the things of this life, it's going to reap corruption on you. But if you sow in the Spirit, you'll get eternal life. So, reaping what we sow is simply, it's like choosing the road you're going to drive down, and when you get to the end of it, that's reaping what you sow. I don't know if I did a great job explaining the difference between karma and reaping what you sow. But the point is, your actions have consequences. That's why you need a Savior. That's why you need God. Let's get to the last point here. S stands for spirit. So we're in Galatians 6. If you turn back one chapter to Galatians 5... In verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, it says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, the Spirit is what God left for us. There's God the Son, God the Father, or God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, The Holy Spirit is what we're supposed to walk in. So, we're, we're supposed to live a life that pleases the Spirit. You can't live a life that pleases the Spirit if you don't know what the Spirit says, which is the Bible. The Bible is the solution. You ha- we have to know the Bible. Joshua 1.8 says to meditate on God's Word both day and night. That means we have to know what God's Word says. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Right? Right? 
Once you seek God first, you do what the Bible tells you, you're, you're studying the Bible, you're in Bible, the, the Bible, you're in God's Word, everything else will fall into place because you're seeking after God. All these other things in your life will become not as important because you understand your place and God's place. I'll tell you this quick story, and I don't know if I should tell you this in front of the Fords or not, but I'm going to tell you anyways. My dad and Casey, and I think Hal knows this. I'm going to tell you anyways. When I drive a trailer, I am super cautious. Like, I am fully aware anytime I drive a trailer. I constantly am looking in the rearview mirror, making sure it's still back there. I constantly am making sure I'm not driving in a way that is crazy with a trailer on. I'm super cautious when I drive with a trailer. Do you know why? <laughs> I don't really want to tell you, but I am anyways. <laughs> I wrecked with a trailer before. One time, I went and got my Grandpa Roy Jean's trailer, and I was going to go pick up a mower to have the blades sharpened. Actually, I was going to go sharpen the blades at my other grandpa's house. So I went and got this trailer, and I couldn't find on the trailer anywhere where it said the ball size. I couldn't find anywhere. So I just assumed it was a two-inch ball. Just assumed. I thought, hey, that's like pretty generic. So two-inch ball. So I put the trailer on there. I hook it in. Let's go. And as I'm driving down 25, I just passed round zone. I hit, I hit a bridge. Off comes the trailer. Smash it into the side of my truck. It, it bangs up the back end of the trailer. Not a fun little scenario. I was about this close to being in another lane. Luckily, no one got hurt except for my pride, right? Like, I am super aware now when I drive a trailer, reason being because I'm aware of what happened to me, right? Like, I learned from that very, if you want to say arrogant, like, I, I didn't need anybody's help. I didn't need to call and ask what size the ball was. Like, I was fine. I just figured it out on my own. But now I always make sure to know the specific details of the trailer and if it's back there or not. Why am I telling you that? That's a choice I make every time I drive a trailer now. So that I make sure that when I'm driving a trailer, it's not going to come off and cause mass chaos. How many times in our lives are we unaware of the trailer behind us? And we're kind of going down the road with the trailer not even hooked on. I want you right now, it's, it's 747, we're going to enter our prayer time in just a minute, but I just want everybody right now to bow your heads, close your eyes. Actually, I want you to stand to your feet and then bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to have a short time of just, you can call it an invitation, you can call it whatever you want, it's up to you. But I want you right now, either right where you stand, or if you need to come up front and pray, you can pray with me, you can pray by yourself. But if you need to make any kind of decision tonight, are you making the right choices in your life? Are you sowing good things and you're going to reap good things? Or are you constantly sowing bad things in your life and those things are going to catch up to you? Listen, I'm not talking about karma, but I am talking about the fact that if you a soul in the flesh, you, you live for earthly things, you live for these earthly desires, 
then eventually you're going to reap destruction in your life. But if you're living for the Spirit, if you're living in God's Word, if you're abiding by what Christ says in the Bible, not by what Jamie says, not by what a random speaker says, not by what some TV evangelist says, but what the Bible says, then you get to live with the assurance that one day you're going to have eternal life in Him. But that's a decision you have to make. I can't make that for you. You can fool me and I can fool you. But we can't fool God. We're going to reap what we sow. So let me ask you this. If you could see the results right now from your life, what are you going to be reaping? We're going to sing a song of invitation right now, and if you, whatever decision you need to make, you make yourself as we sing.